Episode 21, Aaron Thompson, creator of the game Song Saga. It's an interesting question and a delightful question, right? I love the reframing of, you know, mistake. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And now on with the show. We're joined today, coming to us from Australia, is Aaron Thompson. He's our, our first guest connecting with us from Australia. And we'll hear a little bit of um, Aaron's story and background. But he is the founder of uh, a number of companies. Uh, one of those is a product, Song Saga, a game that we're going to talk about um, here today. He's a writer. He's a podcaster. He's a marketer. He's a speaker. And better yet, the, the bio, I love this, Aaron. It says you are a wordsmith, an idea machine, and a joy pusher. <laughs> so <laughs> that paints quite a picture. Thank you for being here today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. What is a joy pusher when you get that inevitable follow-up question? Yeah, so um, it's uh, so I, I think you know all of us who run businesses or are curious about personal development, you know, eventually get to ourselves to a place where we're trying to figure out like what's our personal brand about, what's our personal positioning about, and I've played with many of them over over the years and tried to find the one that felt like the right fit. And Wordsmith Idea Machine has been sort of the moniker that I've used for a long time, and it's still accurate. I, you know, my unique ability and greatest strength is um, writing, um, and you know, I'm someone who comes up with a lot of ideas, probably too many ideas. Um, perhaps even that could be one of my mistakes: is that I get too excited about all the ideas I have and am overly optimistic about my ability to deliver and manifest them all. Um, but Joy Pusher came about um, as a by as sort of a byproduct of a ref some reflection I did looking back at my career and realizing that all throughout my career, whether that's been in advertising or entertainment or as a writer and a speaker, the common thread has been um, comedy. Now I'm not necessarily a stand-up comedian. I'm not an aspiring performer or a TV celebrity, mm -hmm. but I do appreciate the um, the levity and authenticity and the um, kind of like authentic response to comedy that uh, comes with being what I call a joy pusher. And basically what I try and do is connect people through high grade comedic moments, right? So it's just bringing, bringing some joy and delight into everything we do, you know, and if you just, you know, if you just step back and realize like, oh man, we're all working so hard. We're all grinding away. We're all working, you know, um, crazy weird hours, especially now that everyone's working from home and the lines are more blurred than ever about what is work and what is play. Um, it, it, from my perspective, it becomes more important to find ways to inject some of that into our routine. And um, I guess the, the real trigger for that for me was uh, one of my previous businesses that I, that I still own called Laugh Masters Academy. And Laugh Masters Academy was Australia's first sort of long form improv comedy school. And off the back of that, I founded another business called PowerProv. And PowerProv uses the philosophies of improvisation, but transplants them into a corporate context where people can 
you know, use those uh, applications in the philosophy to improve their quality of life at work and the quality of communication and collaboration and innovation and teamwork at work. So because it has that comedic element, I think that's sort of was the launch pad to this kind of joy pusher um, moniker. That's a, we could all use more joy right now. So no doubt <laughs> anyone who's pushing joy um, <laughs> is much appreciated. Um, and then what's just one other question before we get into the main topic of the podcast. Um, I introduced you as being in Australia. So listeners and viewers might be wondering, is he an American or does he do a really good American accent? Well, yeah, my, I, no, my Australian accent's terrible. <laughs> you know, uh, good eye. My, no, it's just, it's horrible. I, I read somewhere that um, the, the accent you have when you reach puberty is the accent you keep for the rest of your life. And so um, that's my excuse. I've been based in Australia for um, just over 15 years now, and I've never been able to shake, shake my American accent. And my American accent was already confusing to people because um, I moved around a lot as a kid. So I lived in the West Coast. I lived in the East Coast. I lived down South. So my accent was, a, you know, um, an amalgamation of all those different dialects. And so even even Americans are confused. And now when I go home back to the States, um, most people think I'm South African, which is just completely ridiculous. Right. Also hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah, to answer your question, uh, I am uh, an American living in Australia and I've been here for a while. Yeah. Okay. All right, so the, the the main topic at hand here, Aaron, um, what do you consider to be your favorite mistake? Well, um, it's an interesting question, I, and a delightful question, right? I love the reframing of, you know, mistake. And when you and I first were in contact, the, the first thing that came to mind for me was uh, starting a business with the wrong people for the wrong reasons and and I've done that and that business has now been sold and it was very challenging, very painful. It was, it put me on possibly the most accelerated personal development path I've been on since personal development has become important to me. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I thought that would be because it was so big and so omnipresent in my life as an entrepreneur, I felt like, of course, that's what I wanted to talk about. But it, it's not my favorite mistake yet. <laughs> it's, I'm still sore. So, um, well, and, so and, I, and the, the theme of the show here is not my biggest mistake. Or yeah. mistake or it's a, you know, it's meant. You know, is, is there a mistake that was um, not so much painful but uplifting or helpful in some way? Yeah. So, so as I was reconsidering my answer, um, uh, I I came up with something that I think is more metaphorical than um, than literal in terms of how it relates to a business experience. And and the story is that for a long time the uh, we the dishwasher in our kitchen was driving us crazy. The door was sticky. It kept getting rubbing up against the cabinetry, and we couldn't figure out what was going on. Everything seemed okay. Turned out there was a slow leak in the hose back behind the cabinet that we didn't catch until it had been leaking for so long that the wooden floors swole up, put the cabinets out of whack, and that was causing the problem. And so I decided that I was going to try and fix this myself. And um, that was my biggest mistake because uh, (laughs) as simple as it seems, you know, I'm mechanically minded and my father's a builder and I kind of like, I was like, of course I can do this. 
And, you know, these days you can hop on YouTube and pretty much figure out how to learn how to do everything yourself if you really, really want to or you're determined. And, um, it, you know, I, I, dragged, I, I thought it was going to be a really simple, easy fix to uh, fix what turned out to be the door springs of the dishwasher became this whole imbroglio that just spiraled downward and ended up with me like having to dismantle the counter and having to rip the door off and having to drag the thing out, but I couldn't drag it out because the floor was stolen. So then I had to lift the countertop and, you know, and one thing led to another and I was getting more and more frustrated because I had allocated myself, you know, 10, 15 minutes to do what I thought was an easy fix. Two hours later, I've got tools all over the place. I've got parts all over the place. I've hurt my, I've cut my hand. I've scraped my, my back on the cabinet behind me. Like it's just going from bad to worse. Yeah. And I'm losing my cool and I'm frustrated. And, um, and so uh, at some point I gave up, you know, I was like, okay, I probably can keep going. I probably can fix it, but I'm past the point where I'm able to think about this problem rationally. Um, and really I shouldn't be doing this. There's other things that demand my attention that are more important. And so I, but then I had to put it all back together and I had to put it all back together and it was still broken. <laughs> More <laughs> so broken was, than it was. Yeah, it was worse. So I was like, Oh no. So then, you know, um, you know, my wife is comes on the scene and she's like, you know, shaking her head, you know, and she was sort of like, you know, I, you know, why do you think you have to do this? Everything, you know, why did you do that? And I was like, well, I guess I just sort of felt like I need to be able to fix stuff. I need to be able to fix everything myself. And, um, she's like, you know, I don't know if you think like fixing a dishwasher makes you a man, but I think you'd be more of a success if you just called someone who is a professional and got it fixed. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. Um, but layered into that experience, I think there are a whole bunch of interesting learnings and takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you talk about metaphors there. Um, like one, one thing that comes out to me that from that story, you thought the problem was what you could see mm. and then you dug into it and like, in, in my normal professional circles, we would use language like you eventually found the root cause. Right. Yeah. It was far beneath the surface of the refrigerator. So I'm, I'm curious from either that story or other situations you've been in, like how often do we get tripped up thinking we know what the problem is when the root cause of it is something different or hidden? Yeah. Getting to the root cause of situation is, is super important, right? When you're problem solving or you're know, trying to figure out how to change a situation for the better. And often what's on the surface isn't what's, real or what's really causing it and I, you know right so it is a it, this dishwasher is not only loaded with dirty dishes it's loaded with metaphors like for me um you know the i think one of the you know to kind of summarize sort of where the mistake lies it wasn't just that i tried to do something that took more time or that i wasn't clear on the root cause of it was about losing focus it was about not spending my time on the things i'm really great at right on my unique ability and it was also, and to that point, it was forgetting one of the things I, that I learned from a guy called Dan Sullivan, who's a great business coach, whose business is called Strategic Coach. And he's got a, a thing that he refers to as who, not how, right? Yes. Don't always try and figure out how to fix things, figure out who can fix things, right? And he also talks a lot about unique ability and certainly fixing dishwashers is not 
my unique ability. But for 145 bucks, I can get a guy here in 30 minutes who that's, he's, he's great at that, you know, and he can pull it out and he can fix it in 10 minutes and, you know, hand me a, hand me his credit card machine and I can tap it with my credit card and be done with it. You know? So, so that for me, the mistake there was that those were the, I think that's sort of the bigger, the bigger mistake for me. And, um, and in terms of like learnings, I guess, it's just because you can do something doesn't mean you should be do something, doing it, right? Right. Um, and like I said before, especially now where we have access, there's a how-to fix or a how-to video for everything now, right, on YouTube. So yeah. just because you can find the answer doesn't mean you actually know how to do it or should be doing it. And right. that hiring someone whose unique ability solves your problem or helps you discover the root core of the problem is a, was a big learning. And now I, I get that. Um, reminder every time I empty the dishwasher. So, <laughs> That's a good reminder. Yeah. Well, I mean, so another question that comes to mind is, you know, from your story there, like trying to think of like, so what is my motivation here? So your wife raised an, an interesting issue that maybe is transferable into other settings. Is my motivation to accomplish this task or is there some deeper point I'm trying to prove um, about I should be able to do this or prove a point of um, it's wrong to give up. So that's the other element of your story. Uh, like, you know, maybe we can hold that point for a minute of like, when should we give up? But what, what are your other thoughts around? Like, what is it a mistake when we maybe don't misunderstand our own motivation? Let's maybe, well, what do you think? Yeah, I, it's a, a great question. Like, can you, step back from the moment that you're caught up in and be present enough and aware enough to recognize where you're at, what you're doing and make a, a good decision about how to move forward. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, Yeah, sorry, I forgot the other part of your question. Well, so then, like, um, when you know, a lot of times, like, you know, we we value per- perseverance or stick to itiveness, even though that's not yeah. really a word of like when you know, because is you know, maybe even as an entrepreneur, I don't know if you want to go back to that story about starting a business for the wrong reasons. Um, was it tough to decide that you should give that up or, or sell? Or at what point do you think like, I'm going to fight through this. I need to see it through. Yeah. I mean, certainly perseverance, like, you know, any entrepreneur would tell you that, you know, stick-to-itiveness to use your word, that's not a word is part of what drives success most of the time. Um, and for me, I think it was caught up in a bunch of probably negative belief systems around what it means to be a man and what, you know, like, you know, is it an insult to my personal integrity that I have to pay some guy money to come to my house and fix the thing that YouTube has clearly shown me as easily fixable. Right. And, and, you know, maybe it's even just sort of not appreciating the, uh, the skill, Mm -hmm. the skill set that other people have spent a lifetime and a career figure out how to do. And I know fixing a dishwasher may seem like a relatively simple thing or fixing the door spring on a dishwasher, but you know, it's, it's kind of like that classic story of, I don't know if it's urban myth or not, but there's the story of the people whose computer servers go down and they cannot figure out how to make it work. Their business is losing hundreds of thousand dollars a day. They hire a tech to come in and he just, all he does is restart the server. He pushes one button restarts the server and everything starts working again. And then he sends them a bill for like, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. And they're like, 
well, but all you did was push a button. And he goes, yeah, but it was the years of experience that led to me being able to understand that that was how to solve your problem. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> and so, yeah. It, well, I think that may be urban legend because I started my career in manufacturing 25 years ago. And there was a manufacturing version of that story about some machine that had been broken down and had been down for days and nobody could fix it. And they brought in this uh, you know, old retired expert who came in and stood and looked at the machine and listened to it for a minute. And he went and drew an X with a piece of chalk on some part of the machine and gave him a bill for $10,000. You know, the inflation now <laughs> in the tech right. world, it would make it $100,000 of VC money maybe, but a similar punchline of like, well, why would you charge me $10,000 for drawing an X? He's like, well, I'm charging you for knowing where to draw the X. Right, that's right. Maybe yeah. there's a kernel of truth in that story at some point, but yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> it's a good point of valuing other people's skills and knowledge um, that we thankfully don't have to develop on our own. Yeah, I think that that perspective might, I mean, I think we're getting that, we get that message from probably all sorts of different places, right? And, you know, um, the, the idea that, you know, you're a solo founder and you're going to go out and you're going to make this great thing, but, you know, any, you know, every, it's cliche, but everybody who's done anything great didn't do it alone, even if it, even if they're the front man for the thing they did or the front woman for the thing they did. And um, so I, yeah, I think being able to let go of an attachment to your own need or desire or belief that you should be able to do everything and really valuing the contribution that other people can bring is so important. And, you know, and I've seen it over and over in other people's business, not just my own. And, um, and I think, you know, again, like I said, that dishwasher was a metaphor for that for me and being able to unload the dishwasher every morning now as a reminder of like, okay, <laughs> how am I going to spend my time today? It, it, how much of it can I spend on the things I'm great at and how much of it can I get other people? How much of the things on my list of things that need to happen can I get other people to do because yeah. they're great at those things on the list? Yeah. Yeah. That is a really good, really good uh, applicable point. So I, I want to talk about song saga and we're going to talk about the game, but maybe building on, on this point we've been talking about. So when I want, I want to hear the origin story, you have this idea for a game. What do you do yourself versus what do you hire other people to do as you create this and bring it to market? Great question. Okay. So, well, the origin story of Song Saga is, I mean, for basically it's a bit of background for your listeners. Song Saga is a tabletop card, card based party game for adults that gets people sharing the stories and soundtrack of their lives. It's sort of like Cards Against Humanity meets um, Desert Islands This, the famous BBC radio program, if anyone's familiar with that. And the, the origin story sort of goes back to um, pr sort of pre-corona, but but certainly um, affected by coronavirus when people were spending more time at home. And um, my wife and I were sort of having dance parties for two, you know, in her lounge room. And, and she's always teasing me that I make everything a game. It could be like I'm making a cup of tea and I'm seeing how far away from the teacup I can stand and still throw the tea bag in. And, um, or, or ironically, emptying the dishwasher. Like how many um, forks can I grab in one hand without dropping any, right? And um, so she's always teasing me that I'm making things into games. And one of the games that I sort of created while we were having these two-person dance parties was let's who see who can play the, the best next song, right? So we're using Spotify. We've got every song in the world at our fingertips. So how can we, you know, you played a great song. What's the perfect next song to follow that song, right? And um, 
And then we started making all these rules. So like, oh, if you play a great song, then you can play a next song. But if you play a bad song, you lose your turn. And it kind of snowballed from there. And we ended up creating like a Google Doc that had all these rules that only she and I would ever understand and only she and I would ever be able to play. But the seed was planted that there was potentially a way to gamify music streaming apps, right? Never, you know, you know, a few years ago, Steve Jobs kind of famously said, you know, he holds up the iPod and he famously says, now you've got a thousand songs in your pocket. Well, now we have all the songs in our pocket pretty much, like it's like 50 million songs. So what can we do with that? And how can we play with that? And how we can make that interesting in terms of discoverability of new music, but reconnection to music that we may have used to listen to, but have forgotten. So that just sat kind of, in the back of my mind, percolating away. And then a few months later, we were at a dinner party with some friends and uh, it happened to be the anniversary of my father-in-law's death. And my wife said, hey, do you guys mind if I put on a song that reminds me of my dad? Mm. Like, of course. So she played this Beatles song and then she shared this beautiful story of how her and her dad had this great bond over music and how he used to keep his records and his stereo in his wood shop so that he could play it as loud as he wanted without disturbing anyone. And she would go in there and they would dance together in the sawdust and play all kinds of music together. And it was just a really beautiful memory that she had of their time together. And, and then someone else at the party was like, well, I have a song that reminds me of my dad and a story. And so and then everyone in, at this kind of small party went around sharing a song, a story that reminded them of their dad. And some were um, deep and meaningful, like the one I just shared. Others were silly and ridiculous, like a kid's playtime song that um, the person telling the story talked about how they didn't know their dad. Their dad left when they were a teenager, but they have fond memories of bath time. And so this silly bath time song reminds them of their dad and the special moments and memories that they cherished with him. Yeah. And so... And I came back from that party. I was like, I think this is the kernel of the game. This is this is how we do it. And then very quickly, um, we you know within a month we had our first prototype. Yeah. And so to answer your question about how we brought other people in to facilitate the the manifestation of this product and this game, um, the first thing we did was um, well I, I wrote the game and kind of created the rules and figured out like how I thought it could work. And then we got. Um, some designers who work uh, for my wife's business to um, design the game for us. Mm -hmm. And then we hired another company to print and build the prototype for us. And um, we, you know, we're still wearing a lot of hats, but now we brought in other people into the business to help with marketing and promotion and social media and website. And those are all things that I would have done myself in the past, that I have done in myself in the past, that I am, you know, decent enough to do with some level of success, but this time I'm kind of like going, wait a second, you know, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. Get the get the dishwasher repairman in, right? You know, so so yeah, so we're doing that, and it, you know, I think it's we're still early in the in the piece here uh, in terms of the song saga story, mm -hmm. but uh, but you know, I'm certainly applying some of the principles that I learned and yeah. relearned the other day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we're going to demonstrate and uh, we're, we're going to play a little bit here. You're going to lead awesome. me through this, right? Yeah, I'll lead you through it. So um, we um, will I'll pull a card from the Song Saga box. So inside the box are a bunch of there's actually three different kind of cards in the box. Most of the cards are what we call prop cards. And each of those cards is designed to spark 
a memory of the moments and music that matter most to you, right? So they're not meant to be interpreted literally. Some You can interpret literally, that's fine, but it's really just designed to spark a moment of a memory and ideally music. And one of my favorite things about this game and watching people play it in our early playtest groups was sometimes people would get handed a prompt card that had something on it and they would look at it and they'd be like, I can't think of anything here. I got nothing like it's not working for me, but it sort of makes me think of this song. Mm. Right. And then they would go into Spotify or Apple music, whatever they use. And they would play that song thinking that that was the biggest contribution they could make. And that it was a weak contribution to the game. And the, as soon as the first notes come out of the speakers, they're like, Oh, Oh yeah. This reminds me of like, you know, 2001 when I was on this road trip with my buddy and the car broke down and we had to like, you know, do this. And then the, a cactus fell on us and, you know, it's like, all this crazy, you know, and the, and the reason for it that we, that is obvious when you go back and look at the research and the data, but that is that music is such a powerful um, trigger for memory. Right. And, um, and it's unconscious most of the time there's, we like songs. We don't realize why we like them. Sometimes it's because they're great songs. Sometimes it's because they have, memory attached to them that we sort of yep. have forgotten. So that's my one of my favorite things about this game. Um, so for you and I, we're going to pull a card and that card is wedding. 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 So um, if you have a, a story or a, and a song yeah. that that card triggers for you, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. And and because we're, we're on a podcast, I don't want to get in trouble with music licensing or whatever. But normally, like we would play the song, but maybe I just <laughs> yeah. do that. Now. Well, normally the way we get around that is we just post a link. Right. Yeah. So every like I said, every song is available online now. Yeah. yeah. But so it's it's a song, um, you know, I could pull it up. I, I use Apple Music. So I have that subscription. So the song that comes to mind of all things is um, the chicken dance song, <laughs> kids song or play it at baseball games sometimes and people do the whole thing. So the, the, it's not that because I love the song, but the story, you know, I'm just reminded of um, wedding planning and my wife was far from demanding. She was nowhere near you know, there, there, you know, there's a show bridezilla. I'm not trying to paint a picture. Like she was the opposite of that. And she's amazing. Um, but her one very specific thing was a list of songs that the DJ could not play. Ah, brilliant. She sounds like a smart and woman. <laughs> chicken dance. It wasn't even so much about what song she wanted to hear. She had more clarity around do not play. And I know chicken dance was at the very top of the list. And then she was also saying like to you know, pointed at me that that my friends would want to do. And so chicken dance was was forbidden and all as well. And the DJ held to it. Smart DJ. Mark, on a scale of um, one to 10, how disappointed were you to see that song on, at the top of her list? Not at all. So oh, right. <laughs> one, personally, no, not. I wasn't advocating for chicken dance. She thought my friends would maybe request it. And right. uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Not allowed. So anyway, that, <laughs> I, you know, so that's that's my story. What, what about you, Aaron? Uh, wedding. So, I mean, for me, this is a pretty easy one. Um, so um, I mentioned earlier that my dad is a builder, but he's also a musician. And so um, the, the, there are, there's a couple of great moments that I'm thinking of. I guess the, I guess the, uh, the story I'll tell is actually going to be about our engagement. Um, okay. And 
Um, and so we, so I guess, so I, I planned, my, my wife and I were together for a long time before we decided to be married. And I think she actually got to a point in our relationship where she thought that was not ever going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I, when I finally kind of grew up and realized that that's what I wanted for myself and for us together, I planned, I knew that because she had gotten to this place where she thought it didn't get it, wasn't going to happen that I need to do something special. So I planned for like three or four months in advance, sort of a secret engagement party. And the way I did it was I, I rented an art gallery hmm. and I invited all our friends to create a piece of art themed around either her and me or her or love. Right. And, uh, and invited them all to send their art to me. And then my father flew over from the States to Sydney and um, we uh, hung all the art, we framed and hung all the art in the gallery and we got caterers and got DJs and everything all set up. And then, and uh, ma magically, nobody gave away the secret. Like all these different people were participating in this crazy idea and it still remained a surprise. And so on the, on the night, you know, I casually said to her like, Hey, you know, my friend Damo is having a art exhibit at this gallery. Maybe we should pop by on our way to dinner and just say a quick hello. And she was like, oh, okay, I guess so. <laughs> so we so we we pull up in front of this gallery and we walk in. And it, you know, it's a legit gallery and all the artists framed. It looks like you would expect an art gallery to look. And um she sees a couple people that she, you know, in the crowd, she sees like some friends. She's like, oh, is that, yeah, they're here. Oh, that's nice. Oh, look, they're here. And like, and all of a sudden she's like, wait a minute. Uh, uh, and you can see like the smoke coming out of her ears. Like everyone we know is here. That is so weird. How would they all, they, how do they know our friend Damo, who's, you know, fake gallery I made up as the reason to be there. And she's starting to spin out and lose the plot. And as we walk deeper in, into the gallery, um, she comes around the corner and my dad is there playing guitar and um, she loses her mind. Cause like, he's not supposed to be in the US. What's he doing here? You know, <laughs> and, and, um, and the song, which eventually became the song that we also listened to on our wedding or played while she was coming down the aisle on our wedding day was Lovely Day by Bill Withers, mm -hmm. um, a classic tune. So uh, yeah, so that's so that's my story. Uh, my song is Bill Withers' "Lovely Day," and the story is surprise engagement. <laughs> she said yes, so that was good. Um, and uh, yeah, having fun at an art gallery, turning an art gallery into a, a disco. So you yeah. on a on a scale of one to ten, how confident were you she was going to say yes? Then with this party going on, uh, I'm going to say nine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's always a variable. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, you probably never want to think that's a 10, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. I was pretty right. optimistic. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's cool. And so the point um, with the game, it's really, it's about the fun and the stories most more so than earning points and winning. Is that fair to say? Or Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, so when we did our playtesting in Australia, everyone was like, um, oh, cool. How do you play? When we did our playtesting in America, everyone was like, oh, cool. How do you win? Right, which I thought was a really interesting <laughs> cultural observation. Yeah. And so we we when we the original version of the game was designed more around to foster the connection and sharing um, that is a byproduct of play. Yeah. Then we sort of went back and gamified it to make it you know more accessible 
to people who just want to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in the playtest groups where people were like, okay, how do I win? They realized very quickly that the joy of Song Saga is really about um, the, the reconnecting with your own stories and your own songs and kind of remembering that you've had an interesting, cool life, but yeah. also discovering new things about your friends. One of my favorite quotes from um, a playtest group was a group of guys who've known each other for 20 years. They went to high school and uni together. And, um, you know, while they're playing, one of the guys turns to, you know, his great friend and it's like, I've known you for 20 years and I never knew that about you. Right. And for me, I just think that's such a magical thing to be able to surface those types of memories and feelings and emotions and connections in a group of people. That's, and that's why I love this game so much. That's very cool. That sounds, um, yeah, I, I love, love the idea there. And, um, yeah, just to focus on, um, there, there you go being a joy pusher, Aaron. So that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's my brief. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the website, um, for, for the game is song dash saga.com. And then Aaron, if you want to tell the listeners, you've been so kind as to, uh, to offer a giveaway. If you want to tell people about that. Yeah, uh, so we've got one game that we'll give away to one of your listeners. Um, we have new stock coming in November, so we'll be ready to fulfill hopefully before Christmas. And um, we can, I guess the easiest way for people to enter will be to go to your website slash, uh, um, your, uh, sorry, to our website slash my favorite game. So it's song-saga.com slash my favorite mistake. Sorry, I think I said game. Um, song saga dash. I'm going to say that one more time. There's always going to be a mistake involved in a mistake. About, oh, see, no, I did it. It's contagious. A mistake about in, in a podcast about mistakes. So let's go. We're not going to edit that out. Oh, perfect. Thanks a lot. Okay. But one more time for all the money. It's song-saga.com slash my favorite mistake. Go there, fill out a quick form, and you'll be on your way, hopefully winning a free copy of Song Saga in time for Christmas. Third time was the charm, as they say. Oh, <laughs> but um but hey uh first first attempt at the podcast here was uh, a great one so i appreciate you uh being a guest aaron and uh for for yeah the joy in the discussion so thank you for that really uh good to meet you and thanks for being a guest here today thanks mark yeah i really enjoyed chatting with you and appreciate the opportunity thanks again thanks for listening I hope this podcast inspires you to pause and think about your own favorite mistake and how learning from mistakes shapes you personally and professionally. If you're a leader, what can you do to create a culture where it's safe for colleagues to talk openly about mistakes in the spirit of learning? Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. See you next time.